0: I love the the song, uh, all the songs in the worship, is really great, but um, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. That's kind of a, we look at some songs as a blast from the past. I'm I'm not sure how long that song came out, but it's been around for a while, but what a great way to face each day with thanksgiving. Uh, One of David's psalms from what I read, uh, it's Psalm 100 verse 4, and great words that uh, are written for us. And we're going to talk about David this morning. How many of you had a chance to go up to see David when he was at Sight and Sound? I know you church him up. Your pastor hated that show so much he went four or five six times. I'm just kidding. He loved it. We went, we went up with him once, with him and Paul, my wife and I. And, uh, and we went before that, but we went up again. And um, a great story of his life. So um, this morning, you see my thoughts that are entitled there in the uh, bulletin. But before I get to that, a preacher got up one day to preach, and he said, I have so much stuff to talk about, I have so much stuff, to, I have so much stuff to talk about, I don't know where to start. And from someone from the congregation said, start near the end, preacher. <laughs> amen. And I said, amen. So it's nice to have a clock on that thing, because I don't have to pull my cell phone out to look at the time. So I'm, I'm good this morning, I think, and thank you for your prayers, and it's always good to be here. And we had... Uh, we had fun, fun with your pastor and his wife um, the other night, went to see Jeff Allen, one of my favorite Christian comedians, and uh, we laughed a lot. How many haven't laughed this week at all? Anybody not laughed? How many have laughed? And you've laughed this morning. Okay, ma- I have a few lines here this morning to make you laugh a little bit. Um, laughter's uh, good medicine, isn't it? Merry heart, doeth good like medicine. And God gave us that gift, right? Because life can get pretty tough sometimes, and So the ability to laugh. So anyway, um, thank you for allowing me to come back, and I appreciate that. And uh, my title is Betrayed But Not Forsaken, and the key text is Psalm 37, verse 25, which I will read, as well as a couple other texts here as we begin. I'm getting a little ring, I think. Um, I was young, and now I am old. First of all, let me stop there. How many would say amen to that phrase right, (laughs) right there? How many will say, I'm young and now I'm older? How many will say, I'm young and I'm still young? All right, there you go, there you go, okay. This is good, this is good. Um, how many know that as you're young, you will get old? And my dad, when he was uh, hobbling around with bad knees, probably from working on the railroad, jumping off the cars and hooking them up and all that kind of stuff, he'd always say, don't get old, don't get old. And the only way don't get old is you die when you're young. But... There's a great phrase here. I was young. David is about, hmm, he could be close to 70. He died at age 70, so we're not sure the exact uh, time here, but he was close to dying. And uh, he says, I was young, and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Now, that's something you can put on the refrigerator door and a verse to remember as you go through life. No matter what season, David said, I went went through all the seasons, and we're going to look at some of this this morning real quickly, and he comes to that conclusion at the end of his life, I've never seen God forsake any of his children. I've never seen any of God's children begging for bread. God provides. This is an awesome promise. And then in Acts 13, 36, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Luke, who writes the book of Acts, says, for David after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. The NIV says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He's buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. So here, here's a, a thought from the, the New Testament about David in the Old. Looking at David's life, we're not talking about a perfect man. Okay, Everybody knows some of the history of David and some of the bad things he did and all that. But his heart was toward God, and, and we see that when the prophet comes to anoint the second king, God doesn't look on the outside like a man, but he looks on the heart. So Luke could say, inspired by the Holy Spirit, right in the book of Acts, that David served God through thick and thin, during good days and bad days. When the sun was shining, and when the rain was pouring, or the wind was blowing, and the hail and the, Telephone poles are falling over, and everything's gone bad. And then when everything's beautiful, like today, today's a beautiful day. And yes, thanks for air conditioning, because it's a little humid down here, you know. South Jersey, how many know what I'm talking about? A little little funny side story, and I'll try to get back on track here, because I have notes in front of me. But um, we helped the earnest uh, a summer ago, my wife and I took some furniture out to Oklahoma. And you know, Oklahoma is dry. It's dry like a cracker, okay, compared to here, Right? And the one day we were traveling, it was 108 degrees. But I I remind my wife, it's dry heat, honey. She says, I don't care if it's dry or not, it's hot. I said, I know. But I said, if you were in South Jersey at 108, standing still in July, you would be a waterfall. Am I right? You'd be like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. So we take the U-Haul trailer back to this U-Haul dealer in Oklahoma. And I said to the lady, I said, so how you doing today? She says, I'm fine, except for the humidity. (laughs) I'm looking around like, I said, humidity? I said, I'll show you humidity. I'll take you to South Jersey. She said, well, she said, I used to live in Arizona. Oh, okay. Arizona must be drier than a cracker. Um, But anyway, thank God for air conditioning. It helps us, right? It helps on the journey. Praise God for all the inventions that have helped us until we get to heaven where the weather will be perfect all the time. And another verse, Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I'll not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? These are great promises. We need to understand this in, in life, no matter what season you're in, no matter what has happened, God says he'll always be with us. He makes promises and he keeps them. Years ago, a, a man inspired by God started a ministry called the Promise Keepers. How many remember Promise Keepers? And uh, some of you went to conventions. We went to some of the conventions. Really an awesome time. It was God speaking to men to be pulled back to their families because some had walked away, as it were, and back to their children. And, and keeping promises that they made, And I'm reminded throughout my life that God is the greatest promise giver and promise keeper. You've had people make promises to you. Then not always keep them because we're people and we, we fail at times. But God makes them and keeps them. So that verse again, 13, 5, and 6, I will never leave you, never will I forsake you, so we can say with confidence the Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Think about this. We get all, oh, that person and that politician, this person, God's my helper. He's with me. He won't forsake me. I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. Amen? I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in my course. I'll praise his name. Hallelujah. So the older you are, the longer it takes for you to go down memory lane. Am I right? Now, if you're young, like over here, these two are young, very young, you don't have a long walk down memory lane. But like someone like Monty, you can tell his name. And, and Monty's like me. I just don't have the white beard. I get the white hair, so I identify. I'm not picking on you, although I do like picking on you, Monty, because you, you have a good attitude about it. But the longer you, the older you are, the longer you go down memory lane. Okay, So somebody will remember some of these people because you studied them in history in school if you weren't sleeping during ancient history class or whatever. Um, there have been a lot of betrayers or traitors um, throughout history. Of course, one of the famous right in the Bible is Judas Iscariot, who, one of Jesus' disciples, not an outsider, he's an insider, but he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Think back to the verse I read there, Hebrews 13, keep your lives free from the love of money, motivated by 30 pieces of silver. And of course, we know he goes out and hangs himself Afterwards, his betrayal leads to Jesus' death by crucifixion and makes, as some say, Judas the most notorious traitor in history. And who can forget the name Benedict Arnold? He was an American general during the American Revolutionary War, and then um, information was discovered that he was actually working for the British for money. You know when the Bible says the love of money is the root of so many evils? It is so true. You see it all through your life. You see it in history past. So when, it be- when he was revealed, what he was doing, he fled, and he became a, a general in the British Army. And his name has become synonymous with treason and betrayal in the United States. Anybody for Eggs Benedict? <laughs> That's on the menu. Doesn't have anything to do with Benedict Arnold, by the way. I checked it all out. But I'm so glad when I was born that my parents didn't call me Benedict. The reason is my middle name is Arnold. I'm not kidding, my middle name's Arnold, but I'm glad they gave me the first name of Keith because I've would gone through all, all my life with that tag on me like, oh, you're a traitor. You can't be trusted, you know? But Keith Arnold doesn't come off like Benedict Arnold. But anyway, traitors. And um, who can forget these words, especially if you had English literature and you had Shakespeare? Et tu Brute, or et tu Brutus, Uh, Marcus Junius Brutus was one of the most famous traitors in history. He was a Roman senator. He plotted with others to assassinate Julius Caesar in 44 BC. Caesar was stabbed 23 times by the plotters, including Brutus. And Brutus is immortalized by a line in the Shakespeare play, Julius Caesar, in which the Roman emperor, at the moment of his assassination, says to Brutus, et tu, Brutus. You too, Brutus? You were my friend. Well, he was, until he turned and became a trader. And then, how about the name Bernie Madoff? Anybody remember that name? (laughs) If you had a lot of money invested with him, you would have remembered his name. For years and years, he worked in the financial field and people trusted him. And uh, Bernie Madoff made off with $65 billion, by the way, in his Ponzi scheme. And uh, sentenced to 150 years in prison, went to jail 2009, died in 2021, 12 years in jail. So what did all his stuff get him? It got him an 8x10 jail cell, three hots and a cot, as they say, um, until he died. But he betrayed lots of people, and people that were wise in investments. i read some of the story. So what's the definition of betrayal? Here's a few of them for you. A violation of a person's trust or confidence, then they give four different settings. The act of exposing or delivering someone to an enemy through treachery or disloyalty. The act of disappointing a person's trust, hopes, or expectations. The act of revealing information in violation of confidence. Failure to keep or honor a promise. Principle, cherished member, et cetera, memory, etc. Synonyms, and these help us, you know, if you look up the thesaurus and you know all these words. Betrayal, deception, dishonesty, sellout, treachery, treason, double crossing. I have to stop there a minute and ask the question, what do you call a person who travels across the ocean and then back again but never takes a bath or a shower? You call him a Dirty double crosser. Okay. I bet some of you here have called that of people. You can just call them a double crosser. They were a dirty double crosser. They didn't mean bad. Uh, you don't have to raise your hands. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying. So get back to the synonyms. Synonyms, not synonym. synonym <coughs> not cinnamon bun. Uh, double crossing, double dealing, duplicity, falseness, trickery unfaithfulness, Judas' kiss, let down. Those are some of the words. And then the antonym would be something's the opposite. So you want to be the opposite of a person who's a betrays or you know, traitor. How about devotion, faithfulness, fidelity, frankness, honesty, loyalty, openness, truthfulness, support. So our key verse this morning in Psalm 37, 25, as I already said, was written... By David during the end of his life. And if you just looked at the first part of David's life, you would say he lived a charmed life. Now, I've had people come into church over the years and they had 45 years of pastoral ministry in different churches. And sometimes people come in and say, oh, those people in church, they don't have a clue what I've been through. They're all they're all like perfect. You know, they never had like, oh, if you only know the stories. You think, oh, well, God blessed them so much they never had any troubles like I've had. Really? I've listened to a lot of people's stories over the years and my own stories. I know that no one lives without some trouble of different kinds. Okay? so But think of this. Here's here's David. He's a teenager. Any teenagers here this morning? Got any teenagers? Monty. Monty's (laughs) Monty's an old teenager, but he's, he's young at heart, and that's what counts, that young at heart. Okay, so picture this. You are the youngest of eight sons, all right? At, at that point, you have very few privileges, and you're out in the fields taking care of stinky sheep. You're a shepherd. You're a young shepherd. You're about 15 years old. And then all of a sudden, the prophet Samuel shows up at your dad's place at the ranch, and he's coming to, next, to anoint the next king. And immediately he looks at the oldest son, which would be privilege. The oldest. Oh, he, he looks good. He's tall. He looks like he'd be a good king. right? Sometimes you look at people and say, well, they'd be a good fit. And God says, no, oh, no, 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 no. I look at the heart. We said that a little earlier. I look at the heart. And so Samuel goes through all the kids that are staying there, all seven boys. It's really interesting what's, what Jesse thought of his son David. He wasn't even in the selection committee. We don't even have to worry about him. And, like, Samuel's, like, 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 kind of surprised. Like, God said no to all these. Yet he told me to come to your place to anoint one of your sons. Do you got another son yet? Oh, yeah. You're talking about, I get David, but he's just a kid. He's out there taking care of sheep. Bring him in. We can't, we can't stop till he comes. He was the one. It's like one minute you're a shepherd taking care of stinky sheep. By the way, anybody here ever take care of sheep? My dad got a couple of them when we were kids just because we moved out to the country. There's something about the smell of the wool and the sheep, but you go to school, it's on your hand. You can't, you can't wash it. People are like, you've been around sheep. You know? And um, so he, he brings him in from the field like, yo, what, what's up? Next thing you know, he's being anointed by Samuel to be the next king. Would that be a shock to any of you if you were a teenager and that happened to you? Like all of a sudden you're an American idol and they hit the buzzer and the gold stuff comes down and you're the winner. And you're like 15. Like, I couldn't believe it, you know? And all of his brothers are standing and looking at him in disbelief. Can you imagine this? I can't believe that stinking little kid. He's spoiled rotten. He gets everything. You know, seven boys. And there's little David, right? So this is like, wow, what a charm life at, the, at, at this moment. He goes basically from being the runt of the litter to the leader of the pack. I'm just saying, that's a story. It's, it's recorded. 1 Samuel 16, you can read more of it. You've read it already. And then David gets chosen for harp duty for King Saul. Now, that might not seem like something thrilling and appealing, but, man, if you're sitting in the king's palace playing the harp, that beats sitting out in the field taking care of sheep, right? bad, <laughs> you're playing nice. <my> <laughs> I will enter with <laughs> Whatever, I'm not a good harp player. Um, I've heard people harping over the years, but it's not always good music. But anyway, and so he's playing the harp for King Saul, and he calms him down when the evil spirit comes upon him, and then he shows up to bring some Burger Kings and milkshakes to his brothers who are at war. Well, it wasn't Burger King and milkshake. I know, some cheese and bread and stuff. And there's Goliath, and David goes out and kills him. He's still a teenager. So, He's been anointed to be a king, he's playing the harp for a king, and he kills a giant. This kid's a teenager yet. I mean, everybody in America wants him on their TV show to interview him. He's a hero, right? The lion and, the bear. and lion and the bear that he killed with his bare hands, I mean, as he was a shepherd. So God gave him some practice, taking on a giant. How many of you grew up in Sunday school singing the song, Only a Boy Named David? Raise your hand. Can you sing it with me. Only a little sling. Only a boy named David, but he could pray and sing. Only a boy named David, only a rippling brook. Come on, sing it with me. Only a boy named David, but five little stones he took, and one little stone went in the sling. Remember doing all this? You can do it now as seniors, too. It's good exercise. You don't even have to go to the gym to do this. And the sling went around and around, and one little stone went in the, And it wasn't a slingshot like this. I always thought I was growing up, like, well, that's pretty cool You had a slingshot, but You know, two pieces of leather, or leather pouch, and they'd let it go, and these guys are really good. And around, and around, and around, and around, and around, and around. And one little son went up in the air. We heard that music on the little recording we play to our kids. And the giant came tumbling down. Boom! So think of this real quickly in his life as a teenager. He'd say, his brothers had to be envious and angry. His friends. How do you beat the story you're hanging out with your friends at the mall? Hey, guess what happened to me this week? Can you beat killing a giant that's almost nine foot tall? And before that, you're playing a heart for a king? And before that, you've been anointed to be a king? Wow. But you can't stop reading the story there. Because if you do, you look at your life in the mirror, and you go back through, and you say, Wow. Boy, God missed me, didn't he? Boy, there's some stuff happening. Where was God when this, where was God? We all have those times in our life, but you have to read the whole story. So when you see that verse where he says, I was young and I've been old and never been forsaken, you'll understand he went through the good, bad, and the ugly. Long before they made a movie. So you look at this story here. um, I want you to stay with me. And you've read the story but we're just highlighting it again. And by the way, you know, when Pastor Brian asked me weeks ago and read a text to me, you know, about speaking, there's a lot of places you can go to in the Bible to speak. You know, I got like forty five years worth of sermons, I guess, and some are good, some are bad, some are ugly. It's just you know. You know, in the beginning you work on people, they're some like like guinea pigs, you know, because you're new, you're you're trying to speak and make it clear and, you know, not go too short, too long. And people are really nice to you. Thank you, Pastor Keith. You're, you're young. You're coming along. You'll, you'll be okay one day. And, you know. So where do you go? And, and this is what God put on my heart. Actually, I don't know if I've ever preached from here before. But I know it's for someone here or for a number of someones. That's all I know. So just keep your hearts open because God's speaking to all of us. And with Paul Harvey... I would say, in a moment, or stay tuned for the rest of the story. See, the rest of the story helps us to understand what David says in Psalm 37 and helps us make application to our own lives. Everybody here on a fallen planet has gone through areas of life where things seemed so wonderful and everything was going well, and then things began to change. In David's life, here are a few betrayals he faced. Remember our title was Betrayed But Not Forsaken? Okay, So things are going well as he's playing the harp. But how would uh, the worship team that was up here this morning feel about up here worshiping and all of a sudden, (laughs) boom, they're trying to kill me up here. Tim dodges a spear. Someone's throwing it. They don't like a, a note he played on the keyboard. And they throw a spear at him. I mean, I don't know what you'd be thinking about that, but if I was playing the keyboard or I was one of the vocalists or playing the guitar up here, I'd be like, where's the exit? <laughs> and I'm not making up a story, because that's what King Saul did to David. King Saul became very jealous. See, because after teenager David has all these great things happen, especially after Goliath, and then he's leading men to war people are singing David's praises more than Saul's praises. Very easy to get jealous, isn't it? And, of course, Saul had hardened his heart in many ways, and God had moved over and said, I'm going to have a new king. And and we read all that in the story. So here's King Saul. And not only was he thrown the the spear at him in that occasion, he flees. Then you follow the story. As King Saul is hunting David all through the wilderness, and he's running basically for his life. By the way, King Saul was David's father-in-law. I hope if any father-in-law is here, you're getting along good with your son-in-law. You're not wanting to do what he did. He he married Michael, or Macau, what are you going to pronounce her name? A daughter of Saul, because that was like the reward for killing the the giant. And this is really cool. I, I don't know if his dad was there cheering him on or his brother, so they probably didn't think about it, but the guy that kills Goliath, his family gets no taxes for the rest of their life. <laughs> Woo! would it be great if there was a contest in New Jersey and you entered it and you won and the, <laughs> the reward was no taxes the rest of your life. Yes! Not that New Jersey has high taxes, you know, just maybe the highest in the nation, but so, so this, is, this is like, wow, here's family and they're out to kill me. And So you read that whole story, it's all through the Bible there. And then you have a guy called Doag, the Edomite. I call him Dog, the Edomite. 1 Samuel 22, 9 to 10. He tells Saul that David was at Nob talking to the priest, Ahimelech, who gave him food in the sword of Goliath. So Saul, being such a good, kindly, godly man, not, kills all 85 priests, and they slay everybody in the town. I mean, it's all recorded there in Scripture. It's incredible what sin does, and anger and jealousy in a person's heart. And then you go to First Samuel twenty-three twelve. And you have the leaders of the town of Kila where David's hiding, and they're going to turn him in if he stays because they're not going to want to get killed. So he flees. Then you have the men of Ziph in First Samuel twenty-three nineteen. They're going to turn him in also, and he flees. And then you have David's wife who turns her back on him. Second Samuel twenty. Six, verse twenty. She mocks him because he's dancing out there and took his royal garments off. And uh, and you know what? Be careful who you mock and what you say, because God made her barren the rest of her days. That's also recorded in Scripture, just in case you're wondering. Then there's a man named Sheba in Second Samuel twenty-one to two. And then there's David's son Adonijah in Second Kings one five to six. And then you have a fifth of a hithophel. Don't name your kids Ahithophel. They'll be in sixth grade before they can pronounce it and spell it. I mean, they call him probably Hithy or Fel or whatever, Hithophel. But you can read that whole story about what David felt about his closest friend who betrayed him. It's in Psalm 55. But Ahithophel joins in the conspiracy with David's son, Absalom. And we're going to center on Absalom for the next few minutes. The betrayal and treason of David's son Absalom. Previous to this betrayal that we're going to read in Scripture in a few minutes, in 2 Samuel 13, we read that Absalom's sister Tamar, you've all read this, if you read the Bible, was raped by her half-brother Ammon. Okay? Amon was the oldest son of David. David did nothing to discipline his son. Absalom Kept it in his heart and arranged a plot to kill Amon. Okay? How many of you all read this stuff before? It's like, wow, this is like really terrible. So he kills Amon, okay? He flees. Three years later, Absalom is allowed to return to Jerusalem, but the king doesn't want to see his face. The king, by the way, is his father, all right? So you talk about. A messed up family? Anybody here come? Don't raise your hand. Come from a messed up family? You think it's all lost? There's no hope for me whatever? Don't, don't feel that way at all because God redeems things. Three years later, he returns to Jerusalem. And two years after that, he finally is reunited with his father, King David. And there's a scene. They bound. they kiss and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, wow. Things are really getting good. This is really great, everything is fine. It's, it's like, okay, some of you folks just came back from vacation. Tim shared a story with me, a little fender bender. and Stuff happens on vacation. We've been to Myrtle Beach too, just to drive back. You need a day to recover just from the drive. It's like 500 some miles, whatever. Sometimes you need vacation from your vacation to recover. You know what I mean? So everything's good, but it's like driving your car. Everything's fine. You just had a great time with your family, friends. You left the diner, you're going your way back home. And all of a sudden, you hear pop 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 pop, and I'm thinking there's a helicopter. You know, I'm not exactly duplicating the sound, but you know it's close enough. Pop 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 I said to my wife, "Is there a helicopter near us?" My mom and dad are in the car. I don't see anything. No, I don't see anything. I finally stopped the car. I figured it must be a sound coming from the car, right? Any of you that drive your car all the time, you hear a strange sound there's probably something wrong, like your bearings gone bad, like Tim was telling me about his son's car, and Pastor Brian just had a bearing replaced in their vehicle. Don't let them go too long, because you're going to break down somewhere on the road, Then it'll cost you more. So I get out of the car and look around. There is a spoon sticking out of the side of my tire. A spoon, not a knife, not a jagged piece of glass or metal, not a nail, not a screw, a spoon! Now tell me how a spoon can get into the side of your tire. It wasn't a plastic one, OK, it was metal. But it just jammed in the side of the tire. I'm like, oh my goodness. And it really took me off because it had a good tread on it. And if you have a spoon in the side of your tire, your tire is shot. I'm just saying, they're not patching that. That's too big of a hole. A spoon! Well, here's, here's my, my big illustration. It is a big illustration, this one. Big thing here. I had to bring this, and I, I, I don't make these things up. They happen. And i say, people, just don't get, don't get rid of that, because I'm using that for an illustration. This is a tire with a wrench in the tire. How many of you close can see? This is like a 3 8 on this side. The other side underneath was wore out. It's still sticking through. My granddaughter daughter drives home. And um, my wife said, guess what happened? Cassidy ran over something in the road. And where she stopped, her girlfriend was with her. There, there's a guy, there's a tow truck, and she looks, and this wrench is sticking out of her tire. Her tire's going flat, right? Here's God's providence. She stops right at a place where a guy changes the tire for her, for free. That's great. So she gets home, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a great illustration. This is called throwing a wrench into the works. Ever left that phrase? Now, I have stuff in my tire. I've never, I have never had a wrench in my tire. This here is classic, and I'm not kidding you. i just leave it there. If you want to come up and check it out. I did not put that in there. She drove over this thing. I can't believe that wrench with no point, rounded, jammed in her tire. So I said, here's the good news, Cassidy. You didn't have a screwdriver that flipped up off the road and went through your wheel pan. That has happened to people. You know, some of the newer cars, they have all this stuff underneath. If you go to change the oil, you're like can't see anything. No, you've got to take all this stuff off. Well, some of that's because of stuff that has happened. If It goes through your oil pan, your transmission thing. Well, you got some expense right there. So that's a good thing. So did anyone ever hear the phrase before I mentioned it, throw a wrench in the works? How many ever heard that phrase before? I like to look up where these phrases come from. And with the encyclopedia in my phone, it's easy to look it all up. So I'm looking this up. Um. <clears throat> To throw a wrench in the works, the British version is to throw a spanner in the works, a spanner being British for American wrench or monkey wrench. Now, I was curious, why do they call this a monkey wrench? This is an old wrench, you know, pipe wrench, monkey wrench. I have some big ones. I I couldn't carry them along with the tires, just too much. I've been wore out. And someone said that the face of the wrench kind of looks like the face of a monkey. I, I don't know, does it? I didn't name it. I'm just telling you. So, so history records, all right, this story. According to legend, the phrase was first coined in New Zealand in 1828 in a place called Wangamana. <clears throat> I'm making that up. It's, it's incredible in, in New Zealand, I think it was. And um, it says the, the world's first ever oil well was supposedly drilled there. They have a plaque that commemorates it. It says, this is the site of the world's first oil well drilled here in 1828. Legend has it that Mr. Ewan McGregor set up the derrick, drilled a hole 700 feet deep. All was going well, and signs of an oil strike were imminent when his son Jethro dropped a spanner or a wrench down the hole. That ended that drilling experience, because that's grinding up everything. You put this down in something with machinery, throw one of these, like just take some loose things of steel you know, and throw them in with your oil in your engine and see what happens after a while. Those pieces of metal get in your bearings, you're gonna be at the garage or you're gonna be looking for another car. So that ended the drilling of that one and um, the wrench was not retrievable so another hole was drilled, this time to 1,200 feet where oil was struck. From the incident, the term a spanner or a wrench in the works originated. Another idea of the origin of the phrase relates to the Ludites, named after Mr. Luda, who really they said wasn't involved, but in Great Britain, a group of textile workers the 1800s who destroyed weaving machines because it was a form of protest. It was taking their jobs. These people worked hard with their hands, making stuff handmade. How many like handmade stuff? There's something special about it, especially if someone makes it for a little baby or whatever, and you, you know, it's it from grandma or whatever. But a lot of stuff's made with machines today. We got it. So these people were protesting and they go to these places at night and all that, and they throw wrenches into the machinery to destroy the stuff. They also burn some places down, and you can read the history of that, the Luddites. So a wrench in the works. If someone says, or you say, someone threw a wrench in the works, it's not usually a good thought. Am I right? It's not like the plumber took a wrench and he fixed the leaking water pipe. That's a little different, right? But throwing a wrench in the works, that wasn't what you're expecting. So everything seems fine in the kingdom. Absence restored, blah, blah, blah. You read the whole story of all the tr- tr- uh, deceitfulness of a lady coming to the king with this whole story. and it's, all, it's pretty cool. What's really neat about the Bible, it's just like our lives today records all the things that really, really happened with people of faith and stuff that happened, mistakes they made and how they dealt with stuff. So anyhow, Absalom has a root of bitterness. Be careful. I'm going to say this to you this morning. Be careful if you harbor a root of bitterness. I don't care what it's about, who it's about. Be careful because it will continue to grow and it will one day explode. Absalom never forgot that his dad never did anything to Ammon after Ammon raped his sister Tamar. Tamar was Ammon's half-sister. It was Absalom's real sister. And for four years after he was allowed to return to Jerusalem, he sat at the gates of the city. Four years developing the conspiracy to take out his dad. So I just want to read part of the story here real quickly because I think it needs to be read. And um, it's, it's fascinating. But how about a description of... Um, of Absalom in 2 Samuel 14. In all Israel, this is 2 Samuel 14, down verse 25, in all Israel there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. The women were swooning over this guy, okay? Not that any of you understand it Was like. Remember when Elvis became big? It was like girls were like fainting. I'm like, really? Taking his hand like, oh, so here's Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his feet, there was no blemish in him. Whenever he cut the hair of his head, he used to cut his hair from time to time when it became too heavy for him. He would weigh it, and its weight was 200 shekels by the royal standard, which comes to about five pounds. I don't know about you, but I, I can't imagine having five pounds on my head. Because some of you are saying, I'm thankful I'm bald. You know, It's just like, five pounds of hair? Now, here, here's what I to say about that. Imagine this today. Do you know how long he would be in the shower at your house shampooing, conditioning that hair? So my wife tells me, she cuts her hair. You don't understand what long hair is like. You know all this stuff. Like Absalom would empty your hot water heater twice before he'd be done with the shower. Five pounds of hair, right? And it's just like, do we have a picture of what he might have looked like, Steve? Could you bring me a picture of what Absalom might have looked like? Uh, there, there he is, right there. Does anybody recognize that guy? From the Avengers, of course you do, if you watch any of that stuff. I and mean, I like this picture because when I see that picture there of Chris, what's his face, um, it reminds me of what Absalom must have looked like when he went on the warpath against his dad. Right? He wasn't a nice guy going after his dad. And I'm not saying that he's a nice guy or not bad guy here. I don't know the whole story of him. But that's kind of like, that's what to me like Absalom. he got the real long hair and he's out to, out to kill. So, so Absalom for four years... Okay? He, uh, he, comes, he comes to first, uh, chapter 15. Uh, In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot, horses, 50 men to run ahead of him. He'd get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? He would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper. There is no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me, and I would see that he gets justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Sounds like a politician, kissing the babies and all that kind of stuff. For four years, Absalom basically sweet-talked people at the gate. If I ruled the world, every day would be the first day of spring. If only I was in charge. And this is what he's saying. He has a root of bitterness toward his dad. That's where it all stems from. He has never forgiven him. And I'm going to say to you, if you don't forgive, you're hurting yourself, first of all, and you're going to hurt other people, and that's not God's plan. I said to someone recently, someone I just met, and I was talking to her about getting married, that what decision she needs to make to make it right, And I said, my wife and I have been married 52 years. She said, can you tell me like the secret of that? My first word to her was forgiveness. And I said, God being in charge, but forgiveness. If you can't forgive each other, you're not going far in a relationship. I don't don't care what kind of relationship it is. Forgiveness. And um, Absalom never forgave. Don't let that be you. No matter what's been done against you, you can forgive with the help of the Lord who has forgiven us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Isn't that the Lord's Prayer part of it? It's easy to say that, isn't it? It's easy to quote that whole Lord's Prayer in a service or whatever, but living it out. Absalom never did that, and so here he is all these years. He's building up this conspiracy. He's going to get back at his dad. He's not just going to remove him as king. He's going to kill his dad. We're not just talking about simple little things here, betrayal. We're talking about killing your own father because he didn't handle something years ago and you didn't like it, okay? Listen, I don't think there's a person here who hasn't faced something in life where you'd be saying, wow, um, here's some monkey wrenches. Everything seemed to be going well. And then I discovered my husband or my wife was cheating on me. Wow. We've lived through that with family. We understand some of the pain of that. Betrayal. I thought we would be BFF. Anybody know what that means? Best friends forever? I, some of the, I, I pick up some of this stuff from the kids. I'm, you know, I'm not all with it. But, oh, I thought we'd be best friends forever. That's what David thought about his trusted counselor, Thithophel, who betrayed him. But she lied about me to another friend in school. I'll never trust her again. The used car salesman told me the car was in A1 condition, only driven by the First Assembly God church by a little old lady, to, drove it to church and to get her groceries. And you can trust me. You had it for a week. And all of a sudden, the transmission's making noise. I remember a car my dad bought used. And he said, that guy stuffed the transmission with sawdust. Back in the day, standard shift, Put some sawdust in, you don't hear the gears grinding, you drive away, it sounds good for a week or so until the sawdust gets mangled up. Are y'all with me? Yeah, and now you found that you have a lemon because the guy betrayed you, he lied to you and you bought the car. My son walked out the door telling me he hates me and never wants to see me again. After all I've done for him and the sacrifices i made, I'm crushed. My boss told me last week he was sending me as one of his top salespeople to a conference holiday in Hawaii. Today, I got a pink slip telling me I'm laid off, and here's a gold watch, thanks for the memories. If you don't think this kind of stuff happens, I have true stories for a lot of this stuff. It does happen, it does happen. I trusted him or her, I trusted dad and mom, but I grew up being beaten and abused on a daily basis. That guy caused my wife to have an accident, she could have been killed, he said, don't report it, please. This is a company car. Just fix it, and I'll pay for the repairs. He lied. He never sent a dime. That personally happened to my wife. She could have been killed in an accident. Kind of side like what happened when you guys coming home. Guy pulls out. My wife's passing. Um, I loaned him $500. Put your figure in. He said he'd repay it in a month. Three months have gone by. He hasn't returned my phone calls. He lied and basically stole the money from me. Should I continue? Each one of you here today could tell me some of the betrayals in your life. We've all had some. Th- this is a sad moment in David's life. And you look at the passage of Scripture, and I can't read the whole passage. I, like, I wish you when you go home, just read all through this, through this yourself. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 30... As David is fleeing with soldiers and help, David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered. He was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads and were weeping as they went up, fleeing for his life. You know what's interesting about men? We're told that men don't show too much emotion. Is that true, guys? We try to be strong, right? Like... Like, women can cry easier and be emotional. or something. Guns are like, okay, oh, well, no, no big deal. We'll get through it. I had a family member tell me he saw his father cry two times in his life. His father went through World War II. Yeah, tough days. He said he cried when my mother died, and he cried when he was on the phone talking to an Army buddy years and years later over an event that took place when they were in the war, liberating a concentration camp. He said it's the only time I saw my dad cry and his dad was a godly man but didn't show a lot of emotions. Here's David weeping as he's fleeing. Are you with me this morning? We know the rest of the story because it's recorded in scripture that Absalom's rebellion failed. And by the way, if you're proud and you're combing your long hair, Don't get around limbs. say yes, yeah, stay away from limbs <laughs> because you know the story's recorded. He rides his donkey, I think, under a tree. He's fleeing Absalom now because things are going downhill. And he gets caught by his hair. He's kind of just swinging in the wind. And even though David's son was going to kill him, David offered forgiveness to his son. It's all recorded. And he said to his men, if you find him, don't kill him. His men didn't do what he said. Because how could you not kill a man out to kill you? They, they knew how things went. And it was a bloodthirsty kind of time. They found him swinging in the wind. And they killed him. Killed him. Threw arrows and darts into him. And David is finally restored. I say all this this morning to go back to all the betrayals, all the times King Saul tried to kill him, his best friend sided with the enemy, his wife betrayed him, his son absolutely had to kill him, take the throne, all these events and more, and yet David could pen at the end of his life, I was young, and now I'm old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. Can we say that today? Betrayed by people, but never forsaken by God. Say it with me. Betrayed by people, but never forsaken by God. Betrayed by people, but never forsaken by God. Some of you need to hear this message this morning. And Luke, the writer of Acts, again, inspired by the Holy Spirit, could write David, after he'd served his own generation by the will of God. David could have never done that and continued to serve faithfully if he became a bitter, angry, angry man and believed that God had forsaken him and how could all this bad stuff happen to him? He served his generation by the will of God. Knowing God was with him, David continued to serve and do God's will until he died. Lord Jesus, this morning, I have simply delivered the words you've given me. I know this is not new material to many people here. But we need to be reminded, as I was a couple weeks ago when I was visiting here and, and Justin's wife preached and the missionary shared, reminding us of the parable of the talents of what we've been given and what are we doing with them. I've read that passage lots of times. I preached from it. I need reminders. So we all need reminders, whether it's a old material we looked at over and over or it's new material. Speak to our hearts, Lord, no matter what season of life we're in, no matter what we are presently going through what we have gone through, that you will never betray us. We will never look at you and say, God, you're a traitor. We will never accuse you of treason. You are the faithful one, as the book of Hebrews says. We can say with confidence, God is my helper. Never will he leave me or forsake me. I've been young, and now I'm old or older but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Make these thoughts real to our heart, I pray in your name, Lord. Amen. While well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.